Some music in this program may contain coarse language. Best to turn it down if grandma's in the car. Bonjour and welcome to Feminist Friday. I am Sarah Josephine Liberty, your Parisian correspondent. Today we have one badass guest for you, Clarice Gagard. She is originally from Philadelphia but is now based in the Netherlands and she's a journalist, columnist, program maker, social advocate and was the UN Women's Representative for the Netherlands in 2019. So to kick off today's segment, I've chosen Fifth Harmony, That's My Girl. This is one kick-ass empowering song about how women may get down or have been hurt before, but they get up and they continue to get going. And P.S., they also shot their music video in the desert, wearing Mad Max slash Burning Man attire, leather, leather kind of lingerie, while kicking up the storm. So worth checking out. Enjoy. Who's been working so damn hard you got that head on overload? Got yourself this flawless body aching out from head to toe.
Bonjour, Clarice, and welcome to today's Feminist Friday segment. Thank you very much for joining us. I know that you have uh, quite a busy schedule. (laughs) So uh, I've already given our listeners a a bit of an introduction about your background, Mm -hmm. but uh, I know you've worked in a number of roles in the media, as a filmmaker, as an author, as a social justice advocate. Yes. Uh, I'm really curious to know, what, what were you drawn to first? And when did you re- realise that you wanted to share your story and have a voice? Um, I was drawn to journalism first. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, when I was, um, I don't even know how old, I think I've almost always wanted to be a journalist. Um, at least it was one of the first things that I wanted to be. Um, because I thought that is a way to, um, to inform people, to inspire people, to, um, uh, advocate for people and communities and groups and causes, um, and, and, and share that with the, with the public and to really mm-hmm. sort of, um, um, yeah, advocate for change, but, um, by, you know, doing your job and, uh, making programs or articles or, or, or whatever, just, um, being a part of what the world gets to see and how they get to look at it so uh, and, and tell these stories, you know. So from a young age, that's what I really wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I studied journalism and uh, then I started working in the media. Yeah, sure. I have a very similar background, actually. Um, um, yeah, and so and then you went on to become a filmmaker and an author and started working within the UN. Um, I know that your work centers around criticizing power structures and using intersectional feminism to highlight other perspectives. Uh, I am a a fellow intersectional feminist. Mm -hmm. But firstly, I wanted to just ask you, what's your definition of feminism? My definition of feminism? Um, I think uh, it's a very... uh, uh, um, basic definition so someone that believes in the um equality of the sexes you know social economical uh, cultural but i would add that for me it's also m- more about equality and uh, uh it's a uh, um less about e- or it is about equality but it's about more than only equality it's also yeah. about uh justice you know social justice so for me and i think that is the feminism of uh, our generation that is not for only sure. about the equality of men and women, um, and that also being very binary uh, because there are other other people between on that spectrum. But um, it's also about uh, about justice for um, mm. you know all different kinds of people. I think when you live in a feminist world, it's not just about women. It's about what um, type of society do you want to live in, and 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 then my brand of feminism also addresses you know um, like. Uh, uh, um, class and race and and gender and um, you know this um, uh, disparity between um, um, the way that uh, the haves and the and the have-nots live um, uh, worldwide, you know, globally. So it's it's about creating an equal society for everyone, basically. I word I totally agree. <laughs> I, I I that's I love that. I think I'm going to use that definition myself. Thank okay, you. Great. Okay, so you also mentioned that, you know, you talk about tackling p- 
power structures. And that sounds like a huge task. Can you talk about some of the biggest barriers you currently see to achieving equality and how do you go about tackling these? Yeah, that is a really, it is a huge task because that is something that I'm trying to figure out also in my work as I'm a correspondent yeah. uh, resistance. Um, so I work for the correspondent, which is a, a Dutch media and um, also um, an American medium and they publish mm-hmm. in English as well. And um, and I, I, I uh, research what it means to, you know, resist, resist the system, to advocate for change, people that do that, how do they do it? Why do they do it? And how do you actually implement change or um, 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 resist the system, you know? And um, these are difficult questions that I think a lot of people in our time are, are asking themselves um, and mm. also striving for. Um, but for me, I think there are different ways to do it. You can do it in a small way within your communities um, and you can do it in a larger way um, within um, uh, in institutions of power, you know? And um, um, for me, it's I, through my work, because I'm a, a journalist and a columnist, I ad- mm-hmm. address these power structures and these um, um yeah, these um, the the injustice that is happening, and um, I try to um, criticize them and let people know, look, this is what's happening. Because I mean, there are so many things that we don't know about when it comes to like uh, all these topics that I mentioned before. You know, when it comes yeah. to um, uh, just um, poverty, when it comes to like uh, globalization, when it comes to like. Um, uh, sexism, when it comes to racism, yeah. there's so many things that we don't talk about or that we don't know, that people don't know. And I think it's um, um, it's our duty um, when you do know better to also uh, address these t- topics and make sure that everyone Absolutely. has access to them. Yeah. yeah. And and what I also try to do is then, I mean, in a corner way, speak truth to power. So within these institutions, also criticize the way um, they are, uh, the, the system that they're in and also the people that are upholding these systems and um, uh, hoping that that sort of uh, brings about a, 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 a mentality change because I think you have to, to change the way you think about things before you can actually change things. So, mm. um, yeah, so these these people in power have to change the way they think, which doesn't often sure. happen, or you need different people in power. So that is also yeah. a thing that, uh, that needs to happen. People that realize, mm. okay, we've been doing things for uh, like this for quite some time and that actually has ensured that a few people have everything and a lot of people have nothing uh, or a lot less at least and that just doesn't work anymore so we need to we need to do things differently and that is what i um, hope to somehow accomplish or inspire at least yeah and i totally agree with your point on just raising awareness or giving visibility to some of these issues or power structures or barriers because it's you know even just doing that is so important because some people many people are not aware and then speaking truth to power absolutely (laughs) and and you know looking at either well you know is there a way that we can correct this system or do we need to break the system and and try and you know um resist and change it so I wanted to also ask if, if it's okay that um, about the film that you recently made, Daddy and the Warlords, yeah. and yes. about your father and the Liberian Civil Wars. Yes. What led you to want to tell your father's story and 
what was the filmmaking process like? Can you tell us a bit about your relationship with your father and, you know, what it was um, like? Yeah, I I uh, grew up in the Netherlands because uh, my family fled from the civil wars in Liberia. So, mm-hmm. um, and then my dad went back to, um, because he said I still had um, some of my brothers and sisters were still there. And yeah. um, he had a job there to do, which he, he felt was very important, which was very important because he was the um, uh, managing director of the telecommunications corporation. So he was mm-hmm. responsible for the communication uh, for facilitating the communication within the country, um, okay. inwards and outwards. So, um, and um, I, you know, I just, I, I didn't see him regularly, obviously, because there was a war going on. And then there was, there were always these, these sort of um, mythical and, and stories I heard about him and um, mm. his work and how he, you know, helped a lot of people also with um, uh, what he did, because, you know, my, we, but he basically came from uh, nothing and he sort of uh, worked his way up and he tried to help others to do the same by giving grants and um, and hiring people, et cetera, et cetera. So there were a lot of people that told me stories about how he had helped him. Um, but, you know, uh, I didn't really get to experience him firsthand since I grew up in, in Europe. So mm-hmm. I, um, and at a certain point, I did um, visit Liberia and then, um, uh, you know, and I was, I, I'm, I'm such a daddy's girl as a lot of, uh, um, <laughs> daughters might, <laughs> um, yeah. relate to. Um, and uh, when I went there, he, um, introduced me to his, uh, employer and that was then Charles Taylor, then uh, president and dictator. And, mm-hmm. um, I was nine years old, so I didn't really realize who that was. And as I grew older and also became a journalist, I, I realized who, or became interested in journalism. I realized uh, who Charles Taylor was and that he was also, uh, for one part, um, responsible for the civil war in the country. And I didn't understand how wow. these two, you know, people could sort of work together. So I wanted wow. to research that, how how that works and, you know, the, the complexity of, of war and also the choices you make in these situations that are very um, uncommon, you know, and um, mm. and that within, you know, where there are all, all, always different facets. And I think particularly when you look at um, when we in the in the Western world look at the global South or African countries or you know countries where there are conflicts and war that it's often so stigmatized and one uh, and, and one dimensionalized made so sort of um, um, yeah binary and simple when these stories are really complex and they're human stories and mm-hmm. they're stories about human survival and about the choices you make and sometimes um, the wrong choices you make in these. Uh, um, situations and um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's about the complexity of human life, and I really wanted to show that and also show how it's my struggle in trying to understand my dad coming from where I'm coming from, and yeah, um, yeah so I think it was it was important for me to make sort of like these um, to uh, trace your roots, a, yeah, 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 to trace my roots and make and and also but also make like um, a story about I think it's very universal thing. It's very, it's a very universal thing, you know, to want to know who your parents are and um, all these things. But uh, also on the background with um, sort of really um, large issues and, and, and political issues and things that I think we don't often talk about. So I use my personal story to do that as well. Congratulations. I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> 
And I know that you you were you won an award and were nominated, yeah, yeah for for potentially several others. But I mean, yeah, that it sounds so incredible, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, so, and I also have like a a um, a book coming out. I mean, it's in Dutch because there's it's like a yeah. sequel where you get more answers. Okay. Um, but it's being translated yeah. in English, and it's called Daughter of Dragon. So, um, if that comes out first, I would recommend you to read the book first for the context. Yeah. Oh, okay. Daughter of Dragon sounds like Game of Thrones material. But... I know. Well, it is sort of <laughs> Game of Thrones. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sure there are a few <laughs> listeners out there who totally dig that. So, um, I will also wanted to ask you about your UN work and yes. the fact that you have spoken at the UN General Assembly about the importance of systematic change. I'm really curious to know of your about your perspective on what the UN has done for women's rights. Just as a bit of background, I'm currently a member of the Generation Equality Committee, um, mm-hmm. the international committee that's basically supporting the UN Women campaign, to, which is mm-hmm. celebrating 25 years since the Beijing Platform for Action. Right. Um, and there's two major conferences being organised, one in Mexico and one in Paris, looking mm-hmm. at, you know, reflecting on the Beijing platform and ways we can continue, continue to work towards the 12 areas of critical concern that were raised there. For example, uh, there are a number of targets set around supporting women to hold positions of power. Right. Yet almost 25 years later we see still very few women in positions of political power. I mean, in Australia, for example, we've gone significantly backwards. Uh, Mm -hmm. We went from 15th in the world to 50th. Wow. Yeah, also here in the Netherlands, we we went backwards. It is happening all over. Yeah. It's, yeah, you know, it's, on one hand, it's fantastic that so many women so committed um, to come together and to celebrate this anniversary. But right. on the other hand, it's also, a, you know, an opportunity to, to just go, well, what are some of the gaps or what are some of the failures? I mean, I hate yeah. using the word failure. It's not actually something I agree with. But mm-hmm. what are some of the lessons learned when it comes to the UN and women's rights? Right. Well, I think it's important to ask the question, what are we actually celebrating? Um, because, yeah, because if so many countries are, if there's uh, no progression in so many countries and some countries are really going backwards, then um, mm. we need to be concerned. Um, yeah. Not to say that there aren't successes. Of course there are successes, but they're so minimal when you compare them to, you know, uh, when you put them in the in the larger picture. And, um, mm-hmm. And for me, actually, I think it's alarming to see what is happening all over the world. Mm. And also within the UN, you know, when you when you look at the sort of, um, um, yeah, the, the interactions and the relationships with the different, uh, within the different member states and looking at how much power the US holds and that it actually, um, um, the, the, the person that um, is president actually influences what happens within the UN and the course it takes, that's very concerning mm. to me. That was something that kind of struck me when I when I was there, that 
um, you know, you have these um, the unholy alliance, as they call them, you know, with um, yeah. the United States and Bahrain, Sudan, uh, Russia, um, I think, yeah. um, and uh, the Vatican. And they've sort of formed this unholy alliance where they advocate against women's rights. So against sort of um, reproductive rights and um, uh, uh, against all these things that, you know, um, have already been accomplished. And mm. it's like we're rolling back on what is also happening in the United States, you know, on on these sort of uh, women's rights issues and going back to the to the Stone Age. And to me that I mean, the United States, uh, the, Uni the United Nations are the um, largest and most influential multilateral uh, political organization that we have. And if this is happening Absolutely. within that organization, it influences the whole world. And that is, to me, something to uh, be very concerned about. Um, mm. And. Uh, and then you might be able to say, okay, well, you know, maybe there will be an ex-president coming and that let's hope it will be a better one. But uh, the, 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 the sort of course we take, because that is what the United Nations does, they sort of define the, the moral course and um, mm -hmm. uh, we take as, um, uh, you know, within the world should not depend on one person and should not de depend on one administration. Um, no. Because then it gets to be all wishy-washy and we have to wait till, you know, the next person come and hope comes and hope that that is a good person, a, a good guy, you know, mm. or, or a woman, as I would uh, prefer. And um, so, uh, and, and, and just generally speaking, you know, um, uh, I mean, we can, I'm not saying there isn't any progress because I believe there is. Also, if you look at uh, Saudi Arabia, for example, where women weren't allowed to drive before and are driving now, but to me, it's like, yeah. okay, now they're like, okay, we can give you licenses to drive, but you can't do anything else and you still have to, you know, um, you're, you're still, um, 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 you still have to leave your house with a male companion. You still can make a, a, a fortune for yourself or be uh, self-sustainable in any way. And, mm. um, so I don't, I'm, I'm not really satisfied with these uh, small changes. I think that's good, but for me, it, there has to be like a systemic change, um, yeah. where, um, um, you can actually, as a as a as a want to make a, a choice to do whatever you want and that 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 there aren't any blockades in your way that you can work wherever you want that you can be whoever you want that you can be with whoever you want to be with that you can um do whatever you want to do without there being some form of uh control over your life and um in a lot of countries yeah, you see that that's still not possible sorry yeah you're clicking your fingers <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that's true, isn't it? And I think in a lot of countries, also in the Western world, because people often think that that isn't true, but also in the Western world, that that isn't possible yet. I mean, in the Netherlands, yeah, um, totally. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact percentage, but a lot of uh, women aren't financially independent and yeah. uh, women still make less. And, um, you know, it's like the, the way the um, uh, workforce is structured is um, uh, the, is is sort of, um, designed for for men and uh, um, that yeah for me that just doesn't that, that just doesn't cut it we need to change the way that we we, we look at certain things that we, the, the the structures that we've created um, to make it accessible for for everybody and not just like cishead white men because that that's not the majority of the world absolutely absolutely cannot agree with you more and I think <laughs> you know when I've re I mean I've researched this quite extensively and because I am on the the campaign committee, mm -hmm. and I really believe in engaging with the next generation of, I mean, I believe in engaging with all women, but I'm really hoping that the next kind of upcoming generation of women 
see hope and see, but also see the challenges that are still yeah. being faced and yeah. feel empowered to address them. Um, yeah. Because, you know, with the Beijing Declaration for Action, no single country has achieved all 12 areas of concern. Like it is, yeah. It, it, it's yeah, just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's well, something to worry about because I, I, I think it's also a question that we need to ask ourselves. What I notice within the UN is that um, you, people get complacent. Um, right. because I, I, I learned that there are a lot of people that are really passionate about, you know, what they do and they, and about human rights. And, um, so that it was very, I, I thought it was very admirable also to see how passionately a lot work to sort of also counter this, um, 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 yeah, these, these influences uh, from inside uh, that are obstructing justice and human rights. Um, but then the way that the UN is set up, it's very difficult to sort of uh, do that because there's also this culture of um, diplomacy, which I think is good, but I think you should also be able to, you know, speak frankly and uh, address, truly address, uh, address things. And, um, and there's also this culture of, okay, well, at least when we have this, we, this uh, small step, then, you know, we can be satisfied with that. When I think there, sometimes there needs to be a sort of re reform and, um, that it's okay to advocate for that or else you're just running the same circles over and over. And I don't think anyone wants to do that or in the end, on, on, the, on the long term, is really um, that that really sort of brings about like incremental change, you know? Um, mm. And I think that, that that happens everywhere, that when there's a certain type of culture, because the way these, these sort of institutions are built, that you sort of get complacent because you're like, what am I going to do? One person against these whole institutions, which is true. But I think if you, you know, if you think about it, work together, um, for example, like you're seeing in the, in the U.S. Congress right now, um, that you can, you can sort of inspire a wave that, that does, uh, of people that do things um, differently. So, yeah. Yeah. Just FYI, with the, uh, the conference that's taking place in Paris, which yeah. UN women are organising, so they are inviting all heads of state, but they're only inviting heads of state that de demonstrate commitment to um, advancing women's empowerment and rights. So Donald Trump is not invited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm great. I'm actually strongly you know advocating to not invite the Australian Prime Minister. Oh, um, really. Yeah, I am because yeah, we'll yeah. we'll just leave that there. This could be a whole other segment, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, we within uh, the discussion groups, that's my yeah. position. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, good to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I just wanted to to ask. I mean, you speak out frequently in the media and as a public figure, and I I know you've done a TED talk as well. Do you feel a responsibility to? to present in a particular way or has your voice evolved or changed over time? Um, yeah, I would say definitely my voice has evolved and uh, over mm. time. Um, I think mm. also my voice has become more radical and, yeah. uh, as, as things were also getting more, um, uh, it was getting more necessary to radically oppose the way things were going. So, um, and also I think as women, Austin, and particularly as a black woman that, you you have to present a certain way to be to be heard or to be um, uh, recognized or to to be allowed uh, quote unquote to take a certain stage um, and not 
feel like you're a threat or too angry. And I think as women, we're often uh, afraid to come off as mm. too angry or intimidating. And I've kind of let that go. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, because I think no matter what you do, people will always uh, frame you in a way that, um, 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 you know, that they can, so that they can perceive you as a, as a threat. So they don't have to take what you're actually saying seriously. Um, right. or because what you're saying is a uh, threatening to their position, you know? Mm. Um, so, uh, um, I think, yeah, I think of course it's important to think about the, the, the way that your message comes across. It's important to think about how do I uh, bring this message across, which way, which way is more impactful, et cetera, et cetera, of course. But I think you, um, also should be aware of in the, the ways you're, you might be restricting yourself because of these mm. societal norms about how you should present yourself. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think you can completely get away from it because that's society we live in, but I think it's good to be conscious of them and, uh, conscious of in which, in which way you might be stifling, you know, your, um, your, your true voice and, um, and that it might be, and of course it might be scary, but uh, um, I think what does Audre Lorde, so a writer and, and academic and activist said um, yeah. that something about that. So when I speak up, I'm afraid, but um, I'm paraphrasing, but when I don't speak up, I'm still afraid. So it's better to speak because, you know, it's better to say your truth and, um, um, and at least have that out out there than to hold it within and still be scared. I mean, there's always going to be fear, but at least you're being yourself while you're uh, afraid of the way it might land or whatever. But um, I know from personal experience that when you are speaking your truth or are being yourself, that it's so uh, satisfying that that fear almost yeah. doesn't even really matter anymore. Yeah, I can identify with that totally. Yeah. Um, particularly in the past year since doing this podcast, I've um, uh, and I, you know, I've done media work in as as an advocate and an opinion mm -hmm. leader back in Australia, and I've shared some of my stories of being repressed and having um, my reproductive rights, um, you know, limited or being assaulted and online gender based violence. I've talked about mm, these issues. Yeah. Um, and I really, my voice has evolved well, as, a lot as well. Like I initially was a little bit hesitant and yeah. now I'm just like, no, it's really important to share my story because it will, yeah. it has, if my story empowers one other woman, that means a lot to me, you know, that, that yeah. makes it all worthwhile. So yeah. I yeah, think, definitely. yeah, yeah. So for, for young people listening to this segment who may aspire to follow in similar step, footsteps to you or to become activists in a particular area, yeah. what advice might you give them? Um, I think that, um, you know, sometimes you look at people and you're like, oh, you know, that's what I want to do, but... Um, how and I don't know and I don't and, and, and I don't know how to do that or how to be that and I think it's important to stay true to who you are um, mm -hmm. you know often people ask me okay so how do I get to do this or how are you this and um, and a, a lot of times it's things that I can't explain it's just um, I try to follow what um, what uh, my, my my passion and what my you know what my desires and also what my capabilities are and mm -hmm. to bring 
that sort of um, awareness to uh, whatever it is that I'm doing. So yeah. I think it's always good for people to think about, okay, uh, who am I and what am I good at? You know, um, and what are my passions? And then how can I bring sort of my uh, social awareness and social justice within within that? So, um, so not try to uh, follow a specific person because that person is also not perfect. I'm definitely not perfect and doesn't have all the answers. Yeah, but it's trying sure. to, you know, but it's trying mm. to do what they can with with the means that they have. So I think for young people that are thinking about um, being more active, or whatever, um, um, I think it's first good to think about um, who you are and what you what you want in life. What are you What are you What are you striving for? What do you find important? And um, uh, what do you want to do with your life? And then um, when you find that, um, think about how you can make uh, things better within whatever it is that you do. Yeah, and maybe just start small, you know. Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, even just achieving something within your own community or within your own yeah, exactly. friends is just as important as stepping up to the UN, you know. So yeah, exactly. So so keep it true yeah. to yourself and to where where you are and, and don't think, oh, that person is there, so I, I need to be there because you need, you know, people um, all over and in, 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 in smaller and, and, and larger spaces and institutes and at home, uh, every sort of piece of the puzzle is important. So don't think that you're um, less significant because um, you, you're not at some um, um, big institution. Yeah. Word. Love it. So... Uh, what is next for you? So what are you most excited about that you're currently working on? Um, well, you know, a lot of people ask me that and I'm, I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't know yet. I'm still taking the time to think about um, what's next. I mean, I'm still, I'm working uh, a lot. So I still write articles and I do um, columns and um, uh, events and I have, um, uh, one thing I didn't mention, my own feminist media platform called Lilith. And we mm, also uh, presented that. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We presented that at the UN as well. And um, because, uh, you know, media is my expertise and, and there's um, so many things need to be uh, done within media to not only show um, people with different stories, but also have them um, be able to... Um, um, make stories about themselves and for themselves, you know, different marginalized people and uh, women. So we focus on sort of telling a more a, 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 the stories from a different feminist angle, like politics, oh, yeah. culture, lifestyle. And we organize mm -hmm. events. Uh, we had an event oh, with Soraya Jamali, who was an American author, and she wrote about rage. We had an event with Mona Haydar, who was a rapper. Um, so um, in that way, I also try to... Uh, uh, contribute by creating, you know, my own media where we can sort of um, um, show the example of what we think uh, it should be like. And so I'm, I'm, I will be continuing on with that. And as for any uh, um, uh, larger projects, I'm still, I've, I've had a, a sort of a turbulent couple of years. So I'm still thinking about okay, yeah. what is my next step? Because I think it's always good to sort of recalibrate after you've done so many things and think about where am I now and sort of let that sink in and then where am I where do I want to go because we're often so much about going 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 that we don't stand still yeah. and think about hey you know where are we now and where where do we want to go so that's um where I'm at well I'm still working a lot but I think uh my next big project should be something that I uh that I've thought uh thought over well and that I'm very passionate about and that uh it will uh um yeah that that's what I'm uh, that's where I'm at right now 
Awesome. I think it's great that you advocate for self-care and time. For ah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you mentioned your website. Where can our listeners find that? And um, if they're yeah. interested in maybe pitching story ideas, is that something that people can do? Yeah, definitely. We we publish a lot in Dutch right now, but we do sometimes in English as well. And our social okay. media is all in Dutch and English because um, we have uh, international audiences as well. So um, it's uh, www.lilithmag.nl. So Lilith, Lilith was, uh, well, I, might, I don't want to uh, give it away. Some of you might know, uh, but you can look it up. Lilith is an interesting historical figure and actually an example of how often, uh, how women have been demonized powerful women have been demonized from the very beginning that's why we're right. calling it but if you look mm-hmm. it up you uh you'll see who that is so www.lilithmag.nl awesome and do you have any particular social media accounts your own website yes. where people can find you check you out yes on instagram um you can follow lilith or me clarice gagard if you just um you know, type that in. Um, on, I'm on Twitter as well and on Perfect. Facebook. So you can find me all over it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Amazing. <laughs> well, I that's I think that's um, that's that for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you've had Thank you too. limited time, <laughs> but it was so great to talk to you. Um, it's been yeah, and connect via via GBO, which is yeah. quite. <laughs> Quite yeah, funny. but my brother, he was like, oh, you should talk to Sarah. She's amazing. And I told her all about you. <laughs> so, yeah, my brother is also a very, very feminist. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. A family right. trait, I guess. <laughs> well, thank you again. And um, keep on doing what you're doing. You're amazing. You're inspiring. And it's so great to hear, you know, a lot of the insights that you shared. Thank you. And same to you. Keep doing what you're doing. And this is a a wonderful podcast that you have. So uh, I'm uh, curious to hear uh, and listen more. That was Feminist Friday for Friday, March 6th, which is two days before International Women's Day. So I hope you're getting ready to celebrate that day in some way. Uh, Our guest has been Clarice Gagard. She's amazing. And to finish off, we will be listening to a song by Kesha, Woman, the Tobtox remix. That was a mouthful. <laughs> it's from 2017. And just to quote a couple of lines that I love from the song, language warning, I'm a motherfucking woman, baby, that's right. I don't need a man to be holding me tight. Uh, so let's listen to this track and just remember that women we can do it alone um but let's share the equality with everyone so thank you and i'll see you next week course language warning
Don't touch my weed. 